Welcome back to Dime Comic Bros Podcast. Sometimes we talk about comic books for real. This week is one of those weeks where we talk about actual comic books. <laughs> Sometimes we do. We've been better about it lately. We have been. We've been better since Colin left. Jeez. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Colin doesn't read. And we have him. He does. On he just. a book club podcast. It's a terrible idea. It's weird. He does. He just refuses to read what we ask him to. And yes. then he just reads eight books of another variety and then talks about them. And it's like, could you have spent a nanometer of that amount of time on the thing we asked you to do? No. Why buy a comic that might cost more than a dime? Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. Introduce us. I am... Papa. I am not pedophile. <laughs> uh, I am the one who says the joke but louder. <laughs> true story. It's, it's very that true. It happens to me all the time. Half the time I don't even realize I'm doing it. Like, I'll just repeat something one of you has said in the past, like, month. And you're like, hey! I'm like, oh, right, you did say that. I'm just dumb. No, like, I'm saying it happens to me at work. Like, I'm sure. I'll say it and, like, nobody's listening and someone will hear me and say it really loud and get all the laughs. Damn. No bitches. No. Nope. Maidenless. Yep. So Elden Ring sucks. <laughs> uh, but the memes have been good. Yeah. So, I'm Spencer. Hello. How? You Jacob. see, because he's 164th Native American. It's true. It's true. Actually, it's 128th. Actually... Are you getting 28th? I don't know. I'm pulling numbers out my ass. It Actually, is... it's 1/8th, but you know, it's neither here nor there. I guess 28 is divisible by 4. Suck my dick. Mm. You're Jacob. I am. Apparently. That was a question mark and an exclamation point at the same time. Yeah. You read books. Only if they have pictures in them. Well, this book does have pictures in it. It did. So this week, month, whatever, uh, we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy by Brian Michael Bendis, Omnibus Volume 1, the first half-ish. Because it's too big of a book. It is a bit big. It's uh, like 1,500 pages. It's not the biggest Omnibus, but it's big. Yes. So the first half-ish uh, consists of the Avengers Assemble miniseries by Bendis and Bagley. Six and issues. It's eight. Is it? Yep. Dang. They're like mega small issues, though. Yeah. Um, and then a uh, butt ton of Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. And then also an X-Men crossover that we're not going to talk about yet. <laughs> so the premise of this is what if the Guardians but had an Iron Man. Yep. Basically. The, it's kind of cool. It's an interesting enough premise. Um, so the first eight issues are an Avengers book. And then the Guardians cross over into it in the last couple of issues. It's the most... This is a story. Like, it's fine, but it's very, like, but what if Thanos did a Thanos thing? And it's, it, 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 it's it, like the your baby's first Avengers story. It felt like a plot from uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes or something. Yes. Derogatory. <laughs> yeah. Except Earth's Mightiest Heroes is pretty good. I liked it a lot. Yeah. That's kind of what got me into comics, yeah. honestly. It's like, one, so this was in 2015, so this is, like, very much so post-Avengers energy like excuse the gurgles that's the coffee pot we need energy it's my tummy and the coffee pot um but yeah the avengers assembled series is so like fine like i like bagley's art quite a lot he has some really cool designs but the it's the most like a to b to c to d like yep. it reads fine but is uh, very forgettable yep very much so uh, an introduction to a new era, which I believe Bendis was also writing the Avengers book at the time. Hmm. He was either transitioning in or transitioning out. I think it might be out. Weird. So that makes sense. But it um, works fine enough to set up the... The Guardians of the Galaxy come in and they help save the day. And Iron Man's like, you know what? I kind of want to go to space. He was Elon Musk 10 years before Elon Musk. And he goes to space and he's like, man, space is so cool. True. He, he video calls his wife and is like, yo, I'm in space. Yep. This is cool. Right. And then they just kind of get up to normal Guardians shenanigans. Pretty much. Um, so I think the thing with that, like, the premise is cool. Um, it def I, I do feel like it was definitely bred out of, like, a marketing gimmick of, like, oh, yeah. Oh, that coffee. Ugh. Like, it does sound like, you know what would make the Guardians sell more? If we added Iron Man into the book. 
But I do think he's written pretty well in the story, and I do like his inclusion. They do. Um, The shame is he leaves the book like halfway through. By the around the point where we are, so like the first forty percent of this omnibus, he just goes back to Earth, and it's like, well, there goes that marketing gimmick. It's just lame because he was actually pretty cool. Um, he was written pretty well. His armor was cool. He interacted well with the team. But then they just drop him for, I'm assuming he probably had a series that they wanted to make. They're like, fuck, we need him back on Earth. And then they just yoinked him, which is a shame because it would have been cool to have him here for the entirety of the run. Because I think <clears throat> the other stories in the first half of the omnibus that he's not in would have been cool for him to be in. Like... I think it would have been an interesting mix. So it's kind of a shame that they pulled him out, whether it was they only intended for him to be there for so long, or if, yeah, they, you know, Marvel editorial was like, we need a new Iron Man ongoing, not in space. So send him back to Earth. Which is kind of lame. But, <clears throat> so that was cool. Um, the Gamora outfit that you complained about with the last omnibus um, is is much better this time around. I like it's very much not sexist feeling. It's def- definitely still hot though. And then they bring in Angela, yeah. who wears nothing. Yeah, Neil Gaiman, my man. Yep. Um, yeah. So the first, the first like proper Guardians arc uh, is about is like partially a recap of previous stuff and also some retconning. This is where Peter's very complicated origin comes into play. Um, I really like the first. Oh, is it five issues? Uh, it's point one, and then one through three. So the first, the first trade's worth. Um, so there's a there's a pretty good just. What are the who are these characters? There's a bunch of like single solo stories done by different artists that I really liked in the beginning. That's like this is where they've been since the last time they teamed up. They're all mad at each other because of course they are. Um, there's a there's an issue. The point one issue is just a Peter Quill origin story that I thought was really well done. It's the 80th retcon of his, you know, childhood, but I like that issue quite a lot. Um, the the thing I think that drags down most of my enjoyment of the second volume's worth, so that would be, sadly, all the stuff where Angela's there. Um, yeah. Angela is great, I but it looked like Neil Gaiman consulted on this at the time as well because the, really? Angela has a really weird publication history. She's actually from the Spawn universe. Don't yep. ask, don't ask fucking questions. I covered that when I talked about Spawn. Yeah, like don't ask questions. Two years ago, it's weird. But like, so this was just the they had some random justifying mechanism. They're like, I don't know, the world shit, the universe shit itself, and now now she's here. Don't ask questions. Um, she's handled really well, and I like how she's written and how she contrasts with Gamora, their besties now, which I think is cool. They did the dude thing where they fight and now they're friends. Um, but the shame with that is there is two or three issues at the end of that trade that are in the middle of the Infinity event, which is a great event that's written by Jonathan Hickman. And with no context, they're incoherent. Um, they have really good art by uh, Francesco Francavia, I think is how you say his name. I don't remember. Um, fantastic art. But because they're so out of context, they just mean nothing. Like, I haven't read the Infinity event in like four years. It's a good event. I remember that. But the fact that it was written by another writer means that Bendis was kind of bending around somebody else. And that's not usually a good thing for your your omnibus collections, at least. Because, like, oh, what was it? The Kate's run and the the, the landing and, and... Fuck. Landing and Abbott? Yes, Ab- Abnett, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Both of those, they those writers were doing the events that were ongoing during those runs. So their issues of the, the ongoing in that omnibus were in context, and they felt like they made sense. Whereas this... There's two or three issues that are just, like, these were pretty to look at, but they make no fucking sense because none of Infinity is included. Right. Which I wouldn't say that they should have included it. I feel like they might have... They probably should have just excluded those issues because sometimes omnibuses do that. They're not... Like, a lot of collected editions will just remove Spider-Man 6, 7, and 8 from this run because they're really just part of a crossover event, and then they're included in the crossover event book. It's just a shame because the... A lot of the plot points that they were building in the background of the Guardians run about Thanos and the weird Thanosy shit that he's getting up to are relevant for Infinity. It's just there wasn't a lot of 
I don't know if they didn't have a lot of communication or they didn't have a lot of time, but the two, it just makes for an unpleasant reading experience because and then there's yeah, it makes it rough. And it's it's weird because the the parts of those issues where Angel is there and she's getting all pulled into this universe for reasons is cool and it looks great and it's justified fine enough. Like she's a cool addition to the team. I think it would be cool if she stayed on this team because that would be cool. But she has to go off and be as guardian or whatever. So that's oh, just kind of lame. Oh, oh. I uh, remember what I was looking up. <laughs> the vast majority of this art for the first two trades is done by Sarah Pacelli, and I fucking love her art so much. She has really good faces, and that's something I'm kind of finicky about when it comes to sci-fi books, I think, is a lot of faces just look bad. <laughs> like, the alien designs are cool, but the faces on the humans look fucking shit. Hers are fantastic. Like... Almost every single one of these issues looks amazing. Yeah, this whole the the artwork in this book looks great. I I don't think I have a complaint. Not much, no. There's like, a couple of things that are a little weird, but like not much. I think it's just a a shame that so far this is shallow. There isn't much depth here. They haven't done anything really. Yeah. They just bombed around the galaxy. Right. Which is fine. It's, it's just normal, but they don't have like a driving force, a mission, right. like, a quest. Because that's the thing, the, the Abnet and Landing Omnibus, because those two were writing all of the ongoing events and they had written the stuff beforehand. Like they, that, that run is still definitely top of the list. Like that was, they had a purpose and they had the fun hijinks and there were a lot of themes and stuff and it looked great. But like, this looks good, but it's just kind of... So far, anyway. So far. Anyways, it's pretty par for the course Brian Michael Bendis writing. Like, not in a mean way. It's just kind of like... He's pretty good at writing decent, quippy dialogue, but there isn't a lot of depth to it. Um, I think the Avengers assembled... I guess you could call it a prelude to this. Like, it's... They're just all kind of written the same. Like, yeah. they're not... It's not like they're out of character. They're just kind of all flat saying the same jokes, you know? They're do not like to the point of where they're like, "Haha, he's behind me." But like, it's closer to that than I would like. They're all fine. They it's enjoyable to read, but I just it's not leaving an impression. Is this the one where Groot is or uh, sorry, uh Rocket is like murdered you, murdered you. Yes. Murdered you. Yes. That was very boring. It was funny for the first couple panels, but then it got really fucking annoying. And it just keeps happening. Yeah. I do really like how how Bagley does draw Rocket in the first in in the the Avengers Assembled series though. Yeah. He's got the funny face. I like both versions of Rocket where he's got the really weird face and then like the normal one that you'd expect. Now, I like both of them, but yeah. like they're nice to kind of alternate between designs. A really good joke or a really funny joke, I guess. Um, they had the fight with Angela, and then they locked her up in the cage, and then Iron Man is asking her, like, who the heckin' are you? And, uh, she's being all stoic and mean and not saying a word, and Iron Man keeps on talking to her, talking at her, I guess, and Rocket's like, hey, ask her if she fancies diminutive fur-based genetic exper experiments. <laughs> it was just, like, out of the blue, like, did not expect it. It was very funny. I think that issue in general was one of the funnier ones. Like, I think that... Angela and Tony Stark and then the regular semi-traditional team lineup is a really good pick. Yes. I do have to ask where the fuck are the two lesbians? Where are they? Why are they not in this run? I need to know. They might not have existed yet? No. They existed They, they existed before this was a team. They've been there from the beginning. Mm. They're just not included for reasons. I think it's it's synergy because this came out a year after the first movie. It smells like we it, need to. It happens too. Like this is. I don't think they were in the, the Donny Cates run either. Yeah, they were there in the background. They weren't mm. active, but they were there. I don't it's know. just. I think they drop in and out of the team. I, th I mean, yes. It's just. It's weird. I think that's the thing. Is like I, I wouldn't put that on like Brian Michael Bendis. I don't yeah. think he pitched this run. I think he was just given a book, which is fine. But it. In I, combination with... I want to say they go and do X-Men things sometimes, too. Maybe. They might have been there. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It's just, in combination between, like, the Iron Man just being there, and then, like, the team lineup being pretty similar to the first movie, it just feels kind of corporate synergy yep. energy, which yep. isn't bad. It just means it's a lot less... There's a little bit less uh, breath of life in it. Yeah. Um... Angela's hot. 
Some would say too hot. I think they would be pussies, but yes. Hmm. She's very fun. I liked... I like the design. There's a there's a, a variant cover um, that has her extremely cartooned up. It looks like basically a Funko Pop, kind of. Oh, that's uh, and, Scotty Young. And uh, it's got the weird lanyard that is always twirling around her, like piled up in stacks under her. And that's really funny. I yeah. kind of like that. She's such a weird character. I do think that they handle... Like, it's such a shame because like the first... I think it's two or three issues where it's just... Holy shit, this is some hot chicken space. What yeah. the fuck's going on? Right. I think those were all really good. It's just a shame because it's immediately followed up by like, and now we're in the middle of an event and everyone's dying and stuff. And it's like, what the fuck happened here? I would have liked a full, I think if they had, if the Angela stuff was a full arc's worth, like a, not just three issue, arc, like a full five or six issue arc, that would have been at least on par with the first chunk. The, the first trade's worth. I think that would have been really good. It's just kind of a shame. They just, they make no sense. Checking to see if, um, the gay man was credited, and I don't see his name anywhere. In the book? Really? He's on the Goodreads. <laughs> Weird. It could just be because it's his character, and it's part of, like, the legal action that happened to get it. Probably. Angela away from it might be. the Spawn world. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It it's Because it, that was a whole court case. Oh, that was crazy. That's decades worth of history there. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. Even if, you know, me lying when I spread misinformation on the internet that Neil Gaiman was consulted, it kind of feels like he was because she's written pretty well. At the very least, he should have. Yeah. Like, yes. I'm not super familiar with Angela very much. I think I've only read her stuff now that she's in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Uh, but like she was cool in Spawn she kicked his ass and it was hot that's cool I, like I don't that. like how sexualized she is because in... it's a cool character yeah I think she's had some outfit changes recently it's really? weird maybe don't quote me I'm hmm. thinking maybe hmm. I don't know weird it, she definitely looks like she came from the Spawn universe though oh yeah it's definitely like you know and maybe they'll change it eventually very oh. very 90s and it's great it is it is uh, what did you read this week? Or watch? That's a good question. Thank you. We're going to eyeball this shit. I have things I've done, but nothing prepared. Like uh, like uh, Aquaman 2, maybe? I'm thinking about it. I might. The sun is out. I'm not used to this. Congratulations. You're actually looking at the daytime. I'm so proud of you. <sighs> I might melt if I step into the sunbeam. That'd be hot. I like sunbeams. I read The Variants, which is a Jessica Jones story, but it has no Jessica Jones in the title. Um, it's written by Gail Simone with art by Phil Noto. Um, she has, there's, there's, there's variants, like the MCU word. There's a bunch of Jessica Joneses that just kind of fucking show up out of nowhere. And she's like, what are you guys doing in my house? I'm going to kick your ass. Um, basically, turns out that one of them is evil! What? But it's not the one you expect. Whoa. Um, she's from a universe that's just, like, totally fucked in the ass. Um, <laughs> that was a reference to the TV show. It wasn't, but sure. <laughs> um, yeah, one of them just... It, it, one of them is, is, is the twist villain. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's Jessica being all... <sighs> okay. So a lot of the Jessica Jones books post-original Alias run have been too heavily reliant on Purple Man trauma stuff. Not that it's bad, but they kind of dwell on it a lot and not in a way that feels very either healthy or, rem I say remotely realistic, like that's a real thing. But like, it feels like they're, they're... So the character was made as like a, but what if we made this woman into like a real person instead of just like a generic superhero, which was great. And then... It feels like they, and a lot of the writers in the past, I don't know, like decade have kind of re-limited her to like, but she's the trauma, the traumatized fucked up one. And it's like, that's, you're just doing it, but backwards, you know, like you're not, not doing the weird sexism. You're just kind of doing it, but like inverted. It's weird. Mm. Uh, you're just, you're, you're like leaving her in like a weird spot. She's gone through a lot of stuff in said comics over the past like decade that have been really cool. She's gotten married. She's had a kid. She's had a cool life. She's on a couple of teams. I think she's on the Avengers. Sometimes she's like a reserve member or whatever. Um, so she's great. 
this book does open up with like, but what if Purple Man basically put like a kill switch in her head and is like, on this random date, you're going to fucking kill your family or whatever, um, which is a cool idea. It was definitely like a little bit of a, a, a feeling in my gut of like, oh, no, it's another story about Purple Man, even though he's been dead for 20 years. But it turns out the Purple Man is entirely fake and it's all in her head. Kind of. Not not necessarily that like he's actually still in her head, but she basically literally tricked herself into going crazy. It's very weird. Hmm. Um, I think it's handled pretty well, though. Like, uh, she ends up contacting Charles Xavier, Mr. I have a helmet and I look like the maker man. Um, and he goes in her brain and is like, there's nothing here. It's just you, my guy. Like, you're doing this to yourself. So she's... It's really weird. So she's basically re-victimizing herself. It's very odd. Um... And then she defeats him because it's her own brain. It's not actually him or whatever. Um, it's super weird. It's hard to describe. Not a lot happens, like, plot-wise, which I think is actually pretty cool. It's written really well. Gail Simone is probably in my top, like, ten writers that, like, most consistently hits it out of the park. Um, to be that guy, actually having a woman write Jessica Jones is nice because... Whoa! I know. It's crazy. That's I mean, weird. Women do be like that. Um, she writes her really well. She's given a lot of depth. The character always had it, but the it's a vibes thing. It's kind of hard to put my finger on because I'm not super well educated on this. But like the book just feels like it's an actual woman, not just like you know, not even like you know, men writing women poorly. Just like sometimes when the men be like that, they just don't get it. Like some of the like minor stuff, I guess mm-hmm. you know, little detail stuff. Um, and I think that that was really cool. A lot of it is like most Jessica Jones books about like I don't want to be a pretty girl but maybe I do want to be a pretty girl and like I'm fucked up but I don't want to be fucked up but like I'm gonna stay fucked like it's it's that a lot sounds of, like your inner dialogue most days I am a pretty girl uh, it's a it's very pontificating but not in like a really pretentious way it's not just it's not even like while it, it it's it's about a bunch of identity stuff like it's not so dressed up where it feels like, wow, this is just Gail Simone doing, like, a philosophy speech at me. It feels like the character's actually thinking these things to herself, but just not in such bookish terms, you know, uh, which is really cool. The other variants are pretty neat. They're just a bunch of Jessica Joneses from other universes. One of them is Captain America, because reasons. One of them is her, for, oh, what's her name, uh, Jewel, back when she was a superhero, like, an actual superhero, and is, like, seemingly not purple man she's like not traumatized like she's like a normal person she's like what are you guys talking about and and Jess is like I'm gonna give you a hug because you're like me before I was fucked up it's cute um there's a version of Jessica that's a that's a gender swap it's very funny um it's uh Luke Cage encounters encounters him in like an elevator and is like you can tell the face is pretty similar and you're and, and Luke is like let me guess, your name's like Jason or something. He's like, yeah. And then they fight. And then he beats his ass. It's cool. I, I thought you were going to say, and then Luke Cage says wood. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's a lot of cool action. It's not much. It is mostly like a story-based book. Um, but it looks really good. I'm not always the biggest fan of Philip Noto's art, but I think he does really well here. He's very good at doing like human expressions on faces, but without going like hyper-detailed or hyper-realistic or whatever. Um... So I think that works really well. The emotions all hit pretty well, especially when paired with his art. It doesn't feel like I have to... You know, sometimes with artists... <coughs> JRJR, Where you feel like you kind of have to, like, bridge the gap for them. And you're like, I know what you were going for, but it doesn't land right. Like, Noto's actually really good in this book at nailing what is being talked about and what is what is on, on screen, you're on the page. Um, it's fun. It's short. I think it's five issues... Yeah, five issues. They're all pretty short. Um, it kind of came and went with very little fanfare. I remember we talked about it when it was announced um, briefly, and I was like, "That looks neat." I don't even remember. This was announced about like it. three years ago. This yeah. is this is a pretty. Re- I think it it came out like two years ago. I don't know anything about this. Real random. It was yeah. We talked about it. It was it was a long time ago. Um, it's cool. I liked it. I enjoyed it. This was. I don't really have any criticisms. Like, at all? It wasn't, like, the most mind-blowing experience I've ever had in my life. It's a pretty straightforward story that handles a character well with good art. Mm. Um, It takes itself seriously enough. It's not super plot-heavy. 
it deals in pretty realistic emotions for being a mainstream comic book about superheroes. I dig it. I bought it for five dollars. Whoa! At Stairway to Heaven, off of the used rack. That's a and, steal. And yes, it's a cover price of like sixteen. So great price. I would I would pay full cover price. Um, I actually feel like I'm gonna reread this one. There's a few of the Jessica Jones books that I don't think I'm going to reread very much, even if I kind of enjoyed them. I I think this is... Uh, it's, like, number three, I think, on the Jessica Jones list. Obviously, Alias is the top, because, duh. But, like, this is pretty, pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking good. What the fuck you got going over there, my dude? My guy. My duder. I read Bodies. You may remember talking about starting the TV show on Netflix and being like, holy shit, this is based off a comic? I did do that. I did the same thing. I was in the comic shop, and I was getting a book, and uh, Mr. Brag Guy from Stairway to Heaven was like, I think Amazon just made a series about this. And I was like, holy shit! This is the TV show that I especially didn't realize was based on a book. Ah! Uh, by the book, I didn't realize it was based on the TV show. Ah! It was weird. Tenet. We're going to do a pincer maneuver. Oh. Uh, written by C or Cy Spencer. And... My guy, why the fuck are you reading Civil War 2? Why are you doing that to yourself? And arted by four different people. Because there's right. four different timelines. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, so Spencer recapped the plot when he watched the TV show. There's a body that shows up in the four different timelines. Well, I say timelines. T- uh, years, I guess. Uh, 1890, 1940, 2014, and the future, 2050. Holy shit. That's in the future. That hasn't happened yet. This book is very strange. <laughs> I still don't fully understand what happens. In, that's that's amazing. I am so happy for you. Um, I have a general idea, but it's very weird. And... Uh, I usually like the weird, but it's not a good weird this time. It's weird derogatory. Damn. <coughs> not weird complimentary. Are, are you sure you're not the problem? You should season your coffee and drink it. Season my coffee. Freaking sugar crack addict. You might want milk in this one, too. Why? The chicory is weird and strong. Um, <laughs> I love it when books stump you. Ah, makes me feel smart. I'm sure I'm going to read this and also get confused. All right, so the 1890 artwork is really, really good. That's my favorite. And that was done by somebody. That's the one with the gay homo, right? Dean Ormston. That's a weird name. That's the time period with the gay homo, right? There's a gay homo in every one. That's also true. Alfred Hillinghead, my homeboy. The guy. The boy. Uh, 1940 was really good. That was... That's the one with the Jew! Please edit that (laughs) That was arted by Phil Winslade. The 2014 era is passable. It's fine. Oof. The face work, the faces are kind of rough though. Um, and then the future one, I was not a huge fan of. It's very rough. The future, baby. And uh, I can't tell if it's intentional because post-apocalyptic or whatever, but it it's meh. It's the most meh out of all of them. That's nice. You really are a professional at having spoiled milk in your fridge. I told you. This unopened one expires tomorrow. Yep. That's impressive. You are a silly boy. So, there's... I think there's eight issues. That makes sense. That smells right. Yeah, there's eight issues. And it's only in, like, issue seven that things start to make some sense. And then eight is heavy handed in like the themes that this book is going for and tries to bring it all together, 
but I'm still kind of confused. Um, what are the themes of the book, Jacob? What was the plot, Mason? Phobia is bad. That's so true. Yeah, it's almost like it's in the name. No? Incredible. I don't... Phobia. It's called bodies. No, I mean, no, like, phobia, like... Okay. It's in the name of the thing. You're special. No! Phobic. It's the fear, it's a bad thing. Okay. That's the point. Yeah. Anyway. My guy, do you even Latin? Is that Latin? Might be Greek. I don't know. English. Do you even English, my guy? Tuesday. Um. It's Sunday. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I was Englishing bad. It was a joke. Oh, Tuesday, edit. Or oh, bit of a fucking blighter. <laughs> That's a great point. Thank you. <laughs> this is a very British book. About 40% of the English in this book is like tea drinking English, and it doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't know if it's like using terminology from the era that it's portraying in like the old stuff, which is cool, but I don't understand it. And then there's words in the future that don't make sense. And I'm like, is this like an actual tea drinking word or is it like made up futuristic word? I don't know. <laughs> I did not understand a large portion of the dialogue in this book. And that leads to a lot of, the, probably some of the confusion I have about what's actually going on. Being racist is bad, but being racist against tea drinkers is fine. I've had this conversation at work several times. There is acceptable, there are acceptable forms of racism. One, <laughs> Canada. <laughs> Two, gingers. Three women! Three England. That's <laughs> uh, true. There's other forms, I'm sure, but I haven't made that list far enough yet. I can only count to three. <laughs> Tell me something positive about this book. Damn, that's rough. Why'd you give it a two out of five instead of a, a zero or a one then? Because I really liked the, the artwork in the, the older times, the 1890 and the 1940. The 1890 is really, really cool. It's black and white and it's really detailed and there's like red accents and it just looks really cool. <laughs> I'd hit. <laughs> I'd hit that. Yeah. Mustache. Yes, I had mustaches in my mouth. Gross. Um, the same thing with the 1940. It's all very eh, fab It's very like gumshoe detective noir, and I like that shit. I do like that shit. That's a good shit. Um, hot. Yeah, meh. Was not a fan. Not really. But I think that you'll like it a lot. I probably will. We have, uh, this this is a repeating cycle we have. Seriously. I think you'll also just enjoy it a lot more for the phobia bad theme. Um, it was pretty heavy-handed with the phobia bad message. Damn. Ingerland. Damn. That was a big tummy rumble. That was nothing. Uh, cover price is $17. That's what I paid at Stairway to Heaven. Which is kind of impressive. It's just it's a normal eight-issue um, trade paperback. This book is normal. What and, the fuck? And it's a cheaper price for a normal paperback. It's strange. I think it's because it's a Vertigo book. It's literally DC Black Label? That's Vertigo. What? DC owns Vertigo. It was originally a Vertigo book. Hmm. Weird. I gave it two out of five stars. Damn, I love books. Meh. Gimme. I really do think it'll be one of your top books this year. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far. You should watch the show, though. I think you'd. I think I. I. Th I, I think you'll like it. I honestly think it'll help me understand the story better. The English accents are definitely a, a lot more workable. Yes. I think it's. Pro I think it's just. It's hard to read them when they're written. Like they're written in a way for Americans to understand. Mm -hmm. 
the lacking syllables or whatever, but like that actually makes it harder to read than like me imagining a British accent in my mind. If that makes sense. It wasn't even that. It was just like bullshit words that don't mean anything. It's a fake word. There's a lot of fake words in this book. Jacob, did you know that all words are fake actually? What else did you read or watch? Yeah. Aquaman 2. Yeah, it's Aquaman 2. Yes! All right. All, all, all right, yet. Okay, so I watched Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom yesterday. Was there an Aqualad? There was no Aqualad, although there was an Aqua baby. Um, I'm sorry to disappoint, the baby does not die in this movie. I was wrong! Aha! We got him on, on record saying it. They were cowards. Uh, so the plot of this is, um, it's sometime after the first movie, Aquaman and, 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 and Mera have a da baby. They're like, damn, being parents is hard. And Aquaman is like, damn, being parent and king is hard. Especially when Atlanteans are racist as fuck. <laughs> I was gonna say, especially when your queen is a psycho bitch. She's a little kooky. She's, she's, she's quirky. Uh, if you call shitting on a mattress quirky. Shush. <laughs> shush. Don't start the discourse. I can't do this today. <laughs> Redheads be like that, my guy. My wife shit on the bed. Yeah, she's, she's quirky. <laughs> Shut up. Um, and then, so, yeah. Um, Orm has been imprisoned since the last movie. You know, he went to Aquaman jail. Uh, but Orm. he's, he's Orm, Orm, <laughs> also known as, uh, underwater Hitler, uh, went to jail. He's in the deserter land, so he's in the desert in, like, a vault, which is pretty cool. They do that Steve Rogers, we made him real skinny thing, which actually looks pretty good, especially because Patrick Wilson's a fucking unit. I'm kind of impressed they sized him down so well. Um, so yeah, he's chilling, I guess. Uh, he's got big scraggly beard. Uh, he looks a lot more like Jason Momoa, which is pretty funny. Um, and Black Manta, who they almost, I think, exclusively refer to by his legal name, is very funny. It's uh, Daniel whatever the fuck is. David? Whatever. They literally, like, use his name. It's very weird. Weird. Like, I don't think they call him... I think they call him Manta, like, once. It's, like... It's very odd. Um, he finds a trident and is like, Oh, it gives me evil powers! And I hate Aquaman. He's a professional hater, my favorite type of villain, where they're like, I just really fucking hate you. <laughs> just, you know, reverse flash. Just, I'm gonna go back in time and fuck your mom. Just because I want to. <laughs> like, fuck you. Which is great. Um, Manta gets the, it's the, tri the black trident, as the marketing would tell you many times. Um, it's a magic, quote-unquote, trident from way back in the day. Uh, in a very clunky exposition dump, uh, Orm... Let's everybody know that uh, way back, King Atlan, the you know the guy before Atlantis sunk, had a brother. His brother was a big sussy boy and was all jealous and like, I want power. And then he did magic, which is science, but he did magic, quote unquote, and basically turned his entire kingdom into like fish demons, including himself. He looks like Sauron, basically. Um, and then they fought, and then all records of him were wiped away for retcon reasons, obviously. Um, and then they rediscover all of this information over time because reasons. So Manta is literally speeding up global warming. That's his plot. It's kind of cool, actually. Not because it's good, but because it's cool. He's like, I'm going to find this old Atlantean fuel that was used by that other kingdom of the, the evil guy because that's like the thing. It, it It's oil. Obviously, it's oil. It's just like, damn, you know, they, they sped. They were great producers of things they were like dwarfs they're just we, they make all the shit but also they fuck the planet and then all knowledge of this magic fuel that's bad was buried or whatever but they can't destroy it because that would make it worse so they like store it and manta's plot is to steal it burn it make the planet melt and then free the bad guy because power um on the one hand it's fucking absurd on the other hand this movie has a pretty interesting, like, very f forward-facing kind of coherent message about <laughs> environmentalism. It's very odd, um, especially because the end of the movie has Aquaman approaching the UN and being like, we're going to stop global warming because you guys are retarded. It's pretty whack. Um, I like that. That was pretty neat. Um, from there, though, a lot of this is pretty rough. Um... 
it's hard to describe. So a lot of the performances are very good. Um, Jason Momoa, always a pleasure. Um, Patrick Wilson is pulling so much weight in this movie because he's given some pretty bad shit to work with. He's killing it. Uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II is literally just professional hater. I love him. He's just like, I'm going to fucking kill your baby, Aquaman! It's very funny. Um, he's insane. I love it. That's really cool. Um, what's his name? What's his name? Fuck. Boba Fett. What's his name? Tamara... Tamara Morrison. There we go. Uh, Tamara Morrison is pretty good, again, with fairly minimal material um, as Aqua Daddy. Um... Oh, what is her name? Nicole Kidman is there. She has lines in this movie, but I don't know if... I think they're trying to de-age her so she, like, looks ageless or whatever. Like, she doesn't already look ageless as a person anyways. Um, so I think that was kind of distracting a lot of the time. I couldn't really tell if they were just doing... Like, they did poor, like, normal CGI makeup or if they were trying to do something. She just kind of seemed off. Um, Mara has a surprising amount to do in this movie, not anywhere near it. The first one did, but there were some reports that like her role had been drastically cut down for <laughs> external reasons. I don't think it was. Um, she wasn't given enough in my opinion, but like it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. She isn't just like a hysterical mother the whole time, which is what I was expecting. Um, she does plenty of plot related things. She does in fact get her ass handed to her pretty early on. And then that takes her out of commission, which was kind of weird, but she was there and she's a more active participant. She's a, an actual counterbalance to um, Arthur's kingship in a pretty good way that I, I think is good. She's fine in the role. Kind of bland, but like she's there. She's not horrible. I don't know. Um, the baby is a baby, so no real notes there. Um, okay, so I believe his name is Randall Park. He's a comedian. I think he was on It's Always Sunny. I don't know. He's, uh, he's, um, for, uh, 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 superhero brain problem comparison. He was, uh, Agent Wu, because that's not racist, in, uh, WandaVision. He was, like, the guy who I liked in that. He's in this movie. He's really not funny. And he's, like, the third protagonist. He's the, he was at the end of Aquaman. He's, like, discovered Manta and is, like, ah, together we will rule the galaxy or whatever. Um, he's here, and he's playing a role that I think would have been interesting. It's, like, a, a scientist who's like, I want to discover Atlantis. That'd be really cool. There's a lot of cool shit. And then Manta's like, yeah, we're going to blow the planet up for fun. And then he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill you if you leave. So, like, this conflicted scientist, I think is interesting. I think it's cool. But he's not funny. I usually like him. I've seen his stand-up. He's pretty funny. It just, I don't know if the material wasn't funny or the delivery was weird or the editing was weird. But he's very... <laughs> this movie has really bad tonal whiplash. Like... Black Adam levels of tonal whiplash where you're like, that could have been very cool and interesting, and then that was a really bad joke. Not all of the comedy in this movie is bad. There are certainly jokes I did laugh at. It's just a lot of the dramatic stuff does get undercut in a different, it's hard to quantify, but in a different way than like what people, when they're like, oh, MCU, haha, quippy. Like, not that type of undercutting. It just, the movie will, like, the score will intensify. It's clearly building to, like, a pretty dramatic line read. And then they'll just, like, cut the music and then say something funny. And it's like, that didn't land. It's weird. Because the, there's a lot of material in this. It's like, the movie's about fucking, glo fucking global warming. Like, that's pretty serious. And then sometimes they'll be like, ha but the, the baby peed in Aquaman's mouth. Ha, 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 ha. It's like, well, the hell? Um... Most of the action's pretty good, so it's got that going for it. There's a few action sequences that go hard as fuck. Um, not all of it. There's some of it that's kind of boring, but there's a uh, the end fight. While it has some weird shit in it that I don't love, there's a, a shot in slow motion of Aquaman and Manta punching each other, and it does the like it does like the superhero slow motion. It's so good. There's some sequences in this that do look fantastic. Um, the visuals are mostly a mixed bag also. Um, I think the first movie looks better. I like the aesthetic of these movies. I really like how they've chosen to show the underwater world. I think most of it looks really cool. The different species are cool. The costumes are fucking amazing. But just, I don't know if it's the color grading or some of the shot placements were weird or some of the, like the 3D renders were weird, but sometimes the it just looks off. And not even, not like 
quantum mania love and thunder type like damn that looks like shit just like sometimes it'll clearly be like a 3d rendered like aquaman punching at the screen and then like you can tell that jason momoa's face was kind of stapled onto it like <sighs> not bad bad it's just i think the 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 style doesn't give you a lot of flexibility with poor renders like the the aesthetic doesn't lend to mistakes i guess if that makes sense it's very well lit it's very bright and vibrant which is good i like that aesthetic but it just when something doesn't look good it kind of draws attention to it mm -hmm. um like uh aquaman's costume is fantastic he wears for almost the entire movie he wears the the bright ass orange and green fit with the fins he looks great but i think the costume looks a little bulky which is weird because it didn't look like that in the last movie it looks like there's just like more rigidity so it, can't, it seems kind of weird when he's underwater it's not a problem but when he's just kind of standing around on land and they don't touch it up i think much it seems kind of weird um that's most of my problems it's more like nothing was abysmal it's just so much of it is very up and down and up and down and up and down it's like that would have been cool that was kind of rough that would have been cool that was kind of rough um orm has a moderate redemption arc in this movie which i find interesting it wasn't it was mostly played for laughs which i think is weird um but like there's a level of basically exposure therapy where arthur is like dude you you are literally so racist you wouldn't go eat a cheeseburger you should go eat a cheeseburger and then the movie ends with Orm eating a cheeseburger. Like, it's silly, but it makes sense. Like, a lot of that sort of, uh, you know, Orm's particular, you know, Hitler-like uh, racism, very, it, it, like, most of that in real life is kind of broken by, like, exposure. Like, it's not someone needs to yell at you enough. It's not you need to read the right book. A lot of it's just, like, go outside and go eat some fucking ethnic food, you weirdo. Like, they're just people, and they have cool food, so eat it. Like... And I think that that was a cool thread to kind of weave. That seemed interesting. Um, it just didn't really amount to much. They let him go at the end of the movie. They're like, ah, oh, we broke you out of prison and we needed you and now we don't need you and we think your penance is paid, but you should like lay low because the Atlanteans are still mad. And it's like, that's kind of neat. I just, I don't know. Some of it just didn't land quite right. Um, I'm glad to say the octopus that played the, the drums in the first movie is more relevant here. He goes on a stealth mission. And it's very funny because he makes weird octopus warbly noises. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it is very dumb, like, haha, funny noise, but it, it was funny. Um, yeah, it's... <sighs> the post-credit scene is just a joke, which is normal, I guess. There were rumors, and by rumors I mean pretty substantiated claims, that Ben Affleck was coming back for a cameo of this, but with all of the timeline-shifting nonsense, he is no longer in this movie, which is fine. I knew that ahead of time, but there is no other world building. This It's a weird note to end this universe on, is my, I guess, my bigger point. If this was in a series of a billion other movies, I would it would be like, okay, that one wasn't great, but like, whatever, it's, you know, nothing. It's like a, like a Thor 2. It's like, it's not horrible, it's just kind of nothing. Um, but as the final note, like the final nail in the coffin, it's a real weird experience of like, very anticlimactic. Like, the final line of the movie is, is spoilers, I guess. Like, he's giving a speech to the UN because they're like, you know, they're doing the Wakanda thing. They're like, we're going to show ourselves. We're going to give technology to people because holy shit, you guys are fucked, which is good. And then he's giving this speech about, you know, I am not racist because I am half of a billion things and I am cool and I am Aquaman, fuckers. And then he literally like leans into the microphone and is like, I am Aquaman. And then does a mic drop and jumps into the ocean. It's like, that could have been very funny, but it's framed really weird. Like... Oh very obvious green screen background like as a front shot directly on him. it's like that looks weird and that's like the final note to the dceu like what the fuck also this was supposed to release two years ago it's just weird i, I gave it a two and a half out of five it's okay. i wanted to like it more i didn't like dislike my experience that much it's just i don't want to rewatch it i think it's uh it's uh it's below Blue Beetle and above Shazam 2. Aquaman 2 definitely happened and it was a movie. Is it my turn now? It is your turn now. I read Civil War 2. Why did you do that to yourself? Because. You idiot! Can I talk now? No. Because I've read so many other books are that are like, damn, after Civil War 2, when this big thing happens... 
we go and do other things. Mm. And uh, the books I'm, I've been reading are the other things, but it's like, what actually happened in Civil War Two? I don't understand. A bunch of shit, and also how nothing. much context am I missing here? Mm. And also, I wanted to find out how bad it is because you are always shit talking it. I kind of like. It. Excuse me. Kinda. It's a cool concept. All right, so um, there's an inhuman that can see the future. And he's like, all these people is going to commit crimes. And Captain Marvel's like, no, we can't have crime. And goes and kills him. Well, that no, doesn't kill him. But in, in locks him up in space jail uh, before they can commit the crime. And Iron Man is like, you can't do that. You have to... You can't just lock people up because they might commit a crime in the future. <laughs> My Iron Man's and, the only one who learned and, this lesson about and, last time. And then Captain Marvel's like, well, we can't just let them commit a crime or, like, kill people because we could have stopped it. Gosh, she's written so out of character and so bad. All right, so that's fair. It doesn't seem like a Captain Marvel thing to do. Just goes like Space Hitler. Like, it, what the fuck? Like, it might have been better to have, like, the Nova Corps do that instead. That would have been interesting. Space cops. And it would... I I could see that. Not with Dick Ryder. He would have said no. But I think the Corps doing it would have yeah, been Yeah, that would have been cool. Iron Man, t- Iron Man being on the other side of it is actually cool. Because yes. it makes sense because he learned from last time. <laughs> and they even say that in the book. He's yeah. like, no, no, I learned this from last time. I'm... I'm on Captain America's side this time, because he kicked my ass. True. Um, So, yeah, the fight the future thing is really cool, and I like this, and it makes for a fun conversation, and it's fun. But the rest of it is... It's not as explosive, I guess, as the first Civil War. Like... The first Civil War had really big matchups, and it was cool for that. Like, the same thing that Avengers vs. X-Men did, like, what if this guy fought this guy who would win? It was fun to have those things, despite the reason being kind of dumb. Um, it, it was kind of fan y but it was still fun. This doesn't really have that so much. It's kind of boring there's a the fights feel like filler um it was annoying when they go to see the hulk because he's been bruce bannering for like two years he's like guys i've been good I haven't hulked out for like two years and counting. Shoot him in the head! And I'm figuring out how to stop it. I'm almost there, guys. I'm doing great. And they shoot him in the head. (laughs) (laughs) I do love Hawkeye doing it, though. I like like how they justify that in Immortal Hulk, where they're like, yeah, one of my besties had to shoot me in the head. And it, it was given to him by Banner. He's like, listen, if I'm about to break the, the earth or whatever, as the Hulk, you need to do this. But the conversation that led up to that felt like the argument. Every guy's had this argument of, like, why are you yelling? Why are you upset? <laughs> and I'm not upset. Y'all, it sounds like you are. Yeah, because you're being an annoying bitch and yelling at me. Now I'm getting mad. It felt like that. Shoot him in the head. Argument. Where it's like, I wasn't annoyed when I came into this conversation, but now that you're pestering me about being annoyed, I'm annoyed! Yeah. It's also got a billion tie-in books. Oh, yeah. I haven't even bothered... You think Civil War was bad about that? I haven't even bothered with all that shit, because, honestly, I've read some of it. Um, Yeah. What did you... Or were there other things that you liked? Did you like any of the designs? Did you like any of the arts? The, the artsy fartsies? Hang on. I want to say there was another plot point that I really liked. Poopy. It's kind of weird because Iron Man is like, yeah, so I scanned 
this in human's brain and now I'm using an AI to do his power because I have his brain in a jar and I can do the thing without the guy. That was kind of, I don't know. I didn't really track with that. That was weird. But it was also like how Iron Man figured out if the power is like for sure gonna happen or if it's like a possible outcome yeah, of the future. Yeah, because there was the whole thing with like Miles is gonna kill Captain, Captain America. America. Right. And it's like, but actually no, Lamau. And it's... And that's like the... Lin- that's kind of like the linchpin of the arc of being like, nah, that was... It wasn't... It wasn't necessarily gonna happen, you dumbass. Right. So weird. Um... You silly goose. Oh boy. I'm probably gonna cut this. Oh boy. Nope. It felt very intentional having Miles be the bad guy. There were multiple times where, like, the things Miles says is like, this isn't an allegory for things. Like, he legit says, I can't breathe. Yeah, that's weird. I'm like, I don't know what you're doing here, but it definitely feels intentional. Bendis sometimes is real weird. Yikes. Like, he runs away and goes straight to, like, the Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> and the cops are about to shoot him dead. <laughs> until, me a Spider-Man. Until Captain America walks up. I think it was Captain America. Walks up and is like, listen, kid. <laughs> On his shoulder. It's so weird. It, it is really weird, and I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. Um, Admittedly, Carol do be looking hot, though. Meh. Me. She's never really done it for me. <gasps> yeah. No! It's true. I bonk you, but inverse. I make you horny. You slap my pee-pee? Yes. Um, yeah. With you shit-talking it so much, I was happily surprised. It's not the greatest book. I'm probably going to give it... I, I haven't read the last issue. Um, but it's honestly like a three-ish Oof. out of five. Oof. The original Civil War for me is a 3 out of 5. Yeah, it's probably on par with the OG Civil War, honestly. Wowee! Hot takes in this joint. You should go watch the comic tropes video about the book and then get a better opinion. How about that? I don't know. That was one of his funnier videos. The the Fight the Future premise was cool, and I liked that a lot. That brought the rating up quite a bit honestly a better argument than the OG Civil War. Yeah. I read it through my Marvel subscription that's paying itself off. Yeah. Very cool. And I read it at work. (laughs) Sticking it to the man. Getting paid to do my other job. That's true. It's the most money I've made doing this, this, this gig right here. That's true. Do you have a third or no? No. Okay. I was scrambling to get the Civil War 2 out. It's fine. That's the end of the show and get out of my house! Come back next week where we'll talk about Echo and how good it is and how much I'm so happy and I'm living the dream and oh my gosh, Daredevil, and oh my my gosh. Next week is is news and also we're going to talk about Echo. And maybe, just maybe... We'll get Colin. What if we kidnap him? We we know he's watched it. We know he's already done. So we should just storm the Bastille and then strap him down to your couch in a non-sexual manner. I'm talking to myself. Jacob's not here. Abadabwag credits. Kumquats. Thanks to patron people. Thank you for giving us money. Caitlin, Jeff Lawrence, thank you. Money, give me money. I love shekels. Num, 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 num. Tasty gold coins. Go to patreon.com forward slash dime comic bros network if you would like to support this show. It's greatly appreciated. It's the only thing giving Colin any ramen noodles to eat while he's not here and not working and exclusively working on his comic. 
Thank you to Jetpack. They're great. Shop at your local comic book shop. It's good for you. It's good for them. It's good for the economy. Buy more physical books. Unlike Jacob, the pleb, who's buying books digitally with his subscription service, Sussy. I'm not buying them. You're renting them. You don't even own it. It's not even real. Bye-bye.